You guys so don't have egos? Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is the number two ranked player in the world. It's the one and only Aaron from Web Warriors Protocols. What's happening, my guy? Not much, Will. You gotta get that one in there, though, haven't you? <laughs> oh, man. You know I'm going to every single time, every time. And uh, with Aaron is the one and only John Harris. What's happening, my dude? I'm all right. Thank you, man. How about yourself? Oh, you know, I can't complain. Every every chance I get to give Aaron a ribbing about losing his number one status, I mean, can we even trust what this man says at this point? Not really. I like how you just did him dirty straight out in the intro. I totally appreciate it. <laughs> well, we wouldn't do things like that if we didn't love you, Aaron. So uh, what's happening with you, yeah, man? How's, how's the games been lately? Uh, they've been not too bad, obviously. John and I had a game for the first time ever on the YouTube channel. We uh, recorded a battle report, which was super fun to do. Uh, very rewarding to finally have the room set up and ready to go. Oh, yeah. It was pretty awesome. It was good to see that. Good to see you guys uh, banging that out. So I can't wait to see more. What uh, affiliations do you guys have planned on running through there soon? Uh, Web Warriors. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, all, all joking aside. I'm going to do a few with Web Warriors, um, and then I'll probably switch it over to Spider-Files for a couple. I know John's planning to switch it up every time, aren't you? I am. I'm looking to switch it up every time. One, it gets me a little bit practicing with some of the models I've paid a fortune for that I haven't run because <laughs> I've just been running X-Men. And two, I think it's good to provide some consistency that isn't X-Men versus Web Warriors round 95, which is probably mm-hmm. what would happen otherwise. Right. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that very much. So... For you, John, you said you want to switch it up. What do you What do you have planned? Is it going to be like, do you have like a sequence of things you're going to run out there or is it more just kind of whatever you're feeling in the moment? I, I won't lie. My process for last week and for this week has been affiliations that I haven't played in the longest, allocate them the side of a dice between one and six and roll it. I love it. No, I love, I love that. Like, I think that makes it fun, you know, kind of like not really planning into it, but also like, you know, having it be fun and random and like learning on the fly. Like, I think that kind of stuff's really fun. Yeah, that, that's kind of where it's been. And then it gives me a couple of days to put a list together to make sure that anything I need in there is painted and then to just bring it along and see how it goes. Yeah, you know, that whole painting thing, one of these days, one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same. Well, I, I don't paint anything. I'm still using John's painted models from our strong video. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, hey, there you go. That, that gives John extra motivation. Exactly, like, this is the thing. It also means I can deny him, like, Black Cat and Brother Voodoo and just be like, nah, they're not done, sorry, mate, can't use them. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> That's perfect. Perfect. So, Aaron, with your current iteration of your Web Warriors roster, like, what are you taking to tournaments these days? What's that look like? Uh, so, at the minute, we've got five webheads in there. So, we've got Miles, Gwen, Black Cat, Moon Knight, and Venom. Then, on top of that, we've got 
Corvus versus the reality gem and Proxima, just as the heavy hitters. Uh, our objective runner, Toad, is in there, uh, making up number eight. Then for the last two spots, we've got Sam Wilson and a new addition in Bucky Barnes, uh, the Winter Soldier. Okay, so that's interesting. Why are you throwing Bucky in there now? Um, so Bucky is a character I've never tried, and obviously he wasn't being used a lot in his previous rendition with his last character card. However, with his new character card, I honestly, hands down, think that he's one of the best free threat characters in the game. Uh, the range five rapid fire is absolutely huge. And the fact that you can use Red Fury to essentially roll 15 dice in one attack uh, with, you know, the seven dice first and the the two rapid fires, hopefully after that, it is mega. It, it really helps him punch upwards and bring down targets a lot heavier hitters than his. I mean, more recently, I played against a friend of mine, Ron, and uh, he used Dormammu in both games. And in both games, Winter Soldier single-handedly dazed and KO'd so it just shows that he's got that real punching power that sounds awesome dude like i think that that's a really insightful way to look at it you know with talking about his red fury and then throwing in those rapid fires and then you know web warriors do have that tendency to be on the squishier side so they do a little bit so having got your back as well is another really good thing if um somebody's hunting down Gwen or Black Cat sometimes, what you can do that's quite cheeky is actually use your Web Warrior reroll to let them be dazed, um, and then you've got your back to get the free attacks in. So that's something I've been playing around with. Ooh, um, letting them be what, dazed. How's that working out? It's actually worked out pretty well so far, because if, if I've got a character that I know is going down sooner or later, um, it sometimes works out better for me to let them daze get rid of any conditions I have, get some power and come back fresh and ready. So having that free attack is even more incentive to do so. Um, Bucky though, as well, one of the other really great things I found with him is Hydra Tactics. So something I've pointed out to a lot of people in my local group is that it is not limited to once a turn. Oh, so yeah. you can sort of set up these really long daisy chains, which means Bucky never actually has to move. Yeah, the Hydra Tactics is really great actually it's one of those things that it's one of the underrated abilities i think he has and i i really like it quite a bit it really is a lot stronger than anyone gives you credit for especially for getting yourself in range of that specs training reroll as well so if you at the start of the activation you can bump him you bring him forward and he's suddenly within range one of his targets which then gives you the reroll, not only his attacks, but when they attack you, it means you're getting your defensive reroll from being a web warrior, as well as the smack size reroll, which actually makes him quite tanky. Yeah, getting into range for his reroll, I think, is one of those other little subtle things with him and with Hydra tactics that I think is underrated. And would you say that can we maybe we're going to pull out an old term from this podcast? Uh, John, you'll remember this one quite a bit. Would you call Bucky now more of a finesse character than maybe he was originally looked at? And like to get that oh, maximum out of him, you've got to kind of set it up a little bit. I think so, but I also think it's worth knowing that he has a relatively high floor. So what I mean by that is that he's, he's going to do pretty well in a lot of games thanks to his toolkit. But what he also has is an even higher ceiling. So if you use him like that, that fine-tuned finesse piece, as you've said, then I think you can really get a lot out of him and get the maximum out of his potential to use him to do actually a lot more than what most free threats are able to do and to be very versatile in the way that 
he acts and his presence on the board. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a really interesting character. Really interesting. I, I definitely don't mind seeing him when I'm playing my convocation because he's only got that two mystic defense. So he, you know, he's, he's, he definitely goes down there. <laughs> yeah, with, with all characters, I think he definitely has his more favorable matchups and he has his less favorable matchups because absolutely. his attacks are off physical. So you don't really want to take him into a team where you know they're all going to be, you know, sort of like the, the invincible Sam spam where they've all got decent physical defense and they reduce damage by one. Exactly. And on the same note, you don't really want to take him into convocation or anyone that's going to have lots of mystic attackers. Yep, that's pretty fair. So, what else has uh, made its way into the roster lately? What about tactics cards and crisis setups? Is it still still the same there? Uh, so my crisis cards are still the same. We've got hammers, scrolls, and Montessi as my extracts, and my secures are the triple D. We've got um, spider portals, cosmic invasion, and riot spark. So that's all of my crisis cards are still the same as what they've been for a little while now. Uh, in terms of tactics cards, it's very much unchanged, but I have been trying a couple of different things that might make the way in shortly. So um, Blind Obsession is a card that I've started to see cropping up quite a lot. And sometimes the answer to Blind Obsession is your own Blind Obsession. It's your own Blind Obsession. Um, which I'm not sure how healthy that is for the game, but it's, it's definitely a, a good way to answer it. Um, as well as that, Seeing Red is one of those old, old back-in-the-day cards that no one ever really used that I've started taking a couple of times. So let's tell let's tell the suits out there what Seeing Red is real quick because it's another one that I'm with you. Like It's kind of one of these that always comes up for me. Like I'm always like, do I need Seeing Red here? Like, does Seeing Red seem good? So Seeing Red is an unaffiliated tactics card. It came in the Hulk box. It's reactive. When an allied character is dazed or KO'd by an enemy effect, another allied character within range two of that character, so the character that got dazed, may spend three power to play this card. After the enemy effect is resolved, this character may make an attack against the enemy character that caused it. So it's basically Bucky's clapback on tap. It is, and... um. What's really good is that it actually synergizes really well with Bucket. So you can actually set up a situation where you're using both Seeing Red and Got Your Back. It's a little bit expensive. It will cost Bucky six power, but I found that he does have the power to do it quite often. Um, and you just unleash absolute hail of bullets into your opponent that can just die somebody mid-activation. Yeah. No, I really love that a lot. I think it's really good. I think when you stack it onto things like that, it could be exceptionally good. I think Venom is a good character to maybe try to use that on sometimes. Yeah. Another really, really good um, synergy for it in the Web Warriors as well is using it with Venom and Lethal Protector. So Venom can use Lethal Protector to jump in the way of somebody. And then if they manage to daze Venom, that person that he jumped in the way for is going to be within one of him, which means they'll be able to use Seeing Red. So there's just lots of opportunities where you set up quite nicely to do it. Yep. And fun fact... This is one of those things that I, I learned rather recently. Venom can Lethal Protector himself, which is ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, he's a little bonkers, and I've never, I don't think I've actually ever done it. One I've thing never I did done do that more either. recently that was pretty brutal was um, so my opponent had Corvus with the Reality Gem, and he did a Death Blow into Black Cat. So the Death Blow itself dazed Black Cat, then the second attack targeted Gwen. So Venom jumped in the way of it with Lethal Protector, 
he survived. And then after the attack, Bucky used Gotten Back. Gwen used Seeing Red and Venom used So Many Snacks. So I made three attacks into Corvus and Dazed him. Oh, that's full awesome. health. On his turn. <laughs> On his turn in the middle of his activation. That's amazing. That's, that's pretty amazing. Pretty big swing turn. It did cost a couple of tactics cards, but what, what it did is completely shut down that activation for the Black Order player, remove that second action of Corvuses from the game, and uh, help me ju just help me to secure that position on the board where then in my turns I don't have to worry about dealing with him because I've already done it during his turn. Exactly. No, that's real spicy. I really like that. And it definitely gives me some interesting thoughts as what we're going to talk about a little later as tactics cars for my particular situation. But um, yeah, that's that sounds real fun. John, what about you, man? We, what have you been playing? Well, I mean, the standard X-Men list has been there. However, that is currently going to bed for a little while, I think. And I'm looking at moving across to a bit of Crimson to try something else out for a little while and to see how something that is non-mutant related fares. Oh yeah. So what what are you what are you uh putting out there first? I mean, I'm looking at Shadowland Daredevil. I know the big ploy is Kingpin and his doubles on secures, but I'm thinking there's gotta be a list in there somewhere with Shadowland and his ninjas and some rerolls. So looking at Hood for some rapid fires in there. You've got Mystique that you can drop in and then she takes deception with her as well for a little bit of movement on somebody else. Killmonger with his kill counters plus his re-rolls from there. I, th I think there's a nice killy list with Shadowland that could potentially do something different for Criminal Syndicate. So I'm going to try and find a way to make that work. Yeah, no, I, I think that that is definitely a thing. And while I haven't really done the work to try to make that work myself, I do think that there's definitely a killy Shadowland Daredevil situation there somewhere that I think could be really fun, if nothing else. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I'm looking for. Will it be enjoyable to roll tons of dice and then curse the gods when they all come up as skulls? Probably. <laughs> right. I mean, look, that's my life. I get it. It's like, oh, I get a reroll on this blank. Oh, I get a reroll on this skull. Okay, great. I see how it goes now. Yeah. I've even contemplated putting Zemo in there just to double down on the useless rerolls. So that might be a thing. Oh, you should totally do it. That just makes perfect sense. Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. So let me ask you this, John, when you're looking at building this, is this something that you, you look at and you think, okay, maybe I go a little wider and does something like a sin crossbones combo say, do anything for you, you think? I've had a look at the sin crossbones combo. I've got a list with it and I've got a list without it. And I'm going to try the both. Um, I've been a huge advocate for crossbones since core box days to the point people used to laugh at me when I would turn up <laughs> with crossbones. But then Sin dropped and he became a thing again and then he disappeared again. I think there's something in it. I just don't know what Crossbones offers me as a three threat that I couldn't potentially get something better with from somebody else. And yeah. taking him and in at six threat seems like a lot potentially for two character slots and six threat. But I don't know. Until I give it a proper run, I'm still sticking with Crossbones and saying he's definitely worth it. But whether the two of them together are worth it, I don't know. Yeah, I feel that. Anytime I've had Sin on the board, I've always been impressed with her. And, like, she's got such little kit. Like, I mean, her kit's not anything special per se. But, like, her rapid fire, her hit and run, all that stuff, it, it just always seems to work really well for me. And it's one of those things where I've never been disappointed with Sin on the board. And 
you do have to play around the fact that she only has four stamina on her healthy side. But like I said, with hit and run and the rapid fire and the guaranteed rapid fire that she has, you can usually kind of get out of dodge a little bit. And I really like that about her. Yeah, that's kind of what swayed me towards her is if I am looking at going killy, the more rapid fire that is in there, the more rerolls I get, the more likely it is to do the damage that needs to be done. And as you say, her guaranteed rapid fire does make it quite appealing for that. Exactly. So it's definitely there to be played with. For sure. And, you know, Aaron mentioned Blind Obsession, and she's a great Blind Obsession candidate, in my humble opinion. She 100% is. Hood is also a wonderful Blind Obsession. Uh, choice, particularly if you can get him to go into possessed mode where he's reducing damage by two and rolling additional defensive dice, he just becomes a tank. Oh, yeah. Oh, he he is super nasty thin. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I love Hood. So, yeah, he's he's one of those characters that is always in my convocation list, but I haven't really played a ton of in my convocation. And then, like, he's always the first drop if I throw somebody else in there, you know? But... Like, I love him. Every time I have him on the table, I love him. Yeah, I think he takes a bit of work, and I think he's one of those you look at, and you go, oh, it should be all right. And then you try him, and if he's not quite in the right spot, doing the right things at the right time, he feels like a bit of a waste. But I think once you've spent a lot of time with him, and you've mastered when to potentially use that heal, and when empowered Dark Lightning is worth it, he becomes a real quality piece on the tabletop. Oh, absolutely. And there's, I'll, I'll give you the secret sauce out there, Suits. Empowered Dark Lightning is worth it when you've got a bunch of targets within range three of each other. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, use the builder. Use the builder on on the demon side, and then oh oh look, I've got four targets within range three of each other. Awesome. Empowered Dark Lightning. Have a nice day. Um, some of the um, some of the things I've pulled off with Empowered Dark Lightning have been horrendous. There was one where I sort of set up for it the turn before by leaving everyone on one health and then the top of the next turn using Power Dark Lightning to daze Captain America and KO Hulk and Vision with the, the lightning, the That's arc. just mean. It was mean, but it was glorious. No, yeah, it's super awesome. That's that's awesome, yeah. Empower Dark Lightning is one of my favorite things to do with Hood because everybody forgets that it's there, it seems like. Yeah. You know, like... Like, oh, yeah, you know, he's going to go into Demon, and he's going to be a murder machine, and he's going to charge, and the Razor Talons. And it's like, well, that's not all, kids. That's not all. <laughs> it's one of those things sometimes that they can't avoid either scenario-dependent-wise. So you look at your opponent, and you can tell that they're just looking and staring at you across the table, and their heart is going down a little bit as they can tell it's coming, but they can't do anything unless they give up on points. And sometimes you're just like, yeah, you knew it was coming, and here it is, and it's going to be painful. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it so much. And in, in Convocation, the, the fun thing with Hood and Convocation is the double flip. If you're in Circle of the Cosmos mode, you can take the damage and use that to place yourself within range one, then transform, placing yourself within range one again. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Just if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I've seen um, Rom's done that to me a few times. It's. <laughs> Definitely placement shenanigans right there. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I'm all about the shenanigans, guys. Y'all should know this by now. We'd expect nothing less. <laughs> exactly. So I guess now, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's talk about a tournament that I have coming up here. So 
I'm really excited to do this. This is our first um, LVOIS, Las Vegas Open Invitational Series that we're doing here locally. And I don't know about for you guys, like, do y'all have one kind of big event, like one or two, like really massive, really huge, all the marbles events over there? We don't have anything per se that's set up that way in the UK at present. Uh, Aaron obviously runs the Illuminati Invitationals, which seem to draw the crowd from across the UK, including Scotland and Wales. And yeah, stuff yeah. Like that. So that, that gets a lot of the, the sort of top players, according to Long Chunks, down uh, for that. We don't have anything that's like an LVO equivalent. I know last year there was meant to be a London GT that got cancelled. And it's meant to be happening again this year, but I'm not 100% sure if that'll go ahead again or not, to be honest. So um, there, there isn't really an equivalent over here. Okay, well, with that, the LVO, for those of you that don't know, is one of the biggest. Like, I think it's that and NashCon are the two biggest, like, crisis protocol competitive events out there. LVO is something you got to gotta qualify for. You They do like two tournaments at the event itself, and then you have an opportunity throughout the year to accrue points at Las Vegas Open Invitational events, which is what this is, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, uh, the 18th, which if anyone wants to come to Memphis and hang out and roll some dice, come on down. It's going to be a good time. And you're going to hear all of my tactics on this podcast. So, you know, you'll have a leg up when you play me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, me and John would love to join you, but it's a bit of a, a bit of a travel. <laughs> Look, just hop on the plane. It's cool, man. It's cool. Just, yeah, that, just as easy as that. <laughs> yeah, just as easy. Look, I'm an air traffic controller. I will get you guys a shortcut. See what I did there? I'm gonna get you a shortcut. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> it will not be cheaper, <laughs> but I'll get you a shortcut. <laughs> so, anyways, LVO is is a really big tournament, and it's a it's you know, it's one of those like kind of a big deal things. So the fact that we're playing in an LVO qualifier is one of those speaks to me a little bit in the, like I'm a pretty casual player. I like to have fun. And I went to an event recently in Nashville and tried some stuff out. It was a lot of fun, but I also, I got a little salty guys. I, I've, I've got to admit there were a couple instances where I got just a touch salty and I felt kind of bad about it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where I was just coming off of work. Uh, I worked till six that morning, didn't really get any sleep, all that stuff. It's not an excuse for me to be salty. I shouldn't be salty when, when things happen like that. But like, it was a really great event over, overall. And I learned a lot about the list I was running at the time and some stuff I was trying out there and whatnot. But I also learned that like, even when you're, you're kind of a little tired, you know, events dragging on a long time, you know, you've been going hard, your your dice aren't hitting the way they need to hit, maybe you're making a couple of poor tactical decisions and then it kind of snowballs, still, you know, try to keep that that energy of of being friendly and and, and whatnot. Not that I was a complete a-hole, I don't think. I mean, anyone out there that was there, feel free to let me know because I uh, I hope that I wasn't. But either way, I just, I learned a lot in that event. And with that, what I learned there, I have some stuff for my roster here. So, guys, how do you feel if we go through my current convocation roster and kind of break that down a little bit for the rest of the show? Yeah, it works for me. Sounds good to me. All right. 
So I call this roster Convo Ninjas because, spoiler alert, there might be a ninja's appearance. But it would have been so much better if there was no ninjas. It's just called Convo Ninjas randomly. Oh, that would have been the best. But <laughs> we'll start off at the top here. We've got Ancient One, Baron Mordo, Clea, the Supreme Doctor Strange, the Superior Doctor Strange, Doctor Voodoo, Lizard, Wong, Shadowland Daredevil, Black Swan, because she'll be available for this event for us, and Magic. And right off the rip with these characters, as you can see, no Electra. Everybody's talked about Electra being in convocation. Well, I have found that I like Shadowland Daredevil a little better because he's a little tankier. He's not as good into the matchups where, like, I want the mystic stuff. You know what I mean? But he's got the really nice builder of coordinated strike. You know, it's only range two, but if the hand ninjas are not there, he gets to place them out. They get to do an attack as well, which I really like. But he's also got the range four baton snare, so if he's out of range of someone, then he gets to advance short closer, and now he's potentially in range for that coordinated strike or for that demon's devastation, which is really cheap for seven dice. Yeah, now, I'm a big fan of Shadowlands Daredevil. I think he'll work quite well in there as well, to be honest. Yeah, and, you know, he doesn't have any superpowers that are worth note on his healthy side, but the fact that I'm Whoa. able to put him out there... Will! Hang on. Will! What? What about stealth? I was getting to that. <laughs> I was getting you're okay. Let me let me backtrack, fellas. So Sorry. he doesn't have any spendable superpowers on his healthy side that are of particular note. However, the really nice thing about him is he's got that stealth. So that he stays a little safer from I also think a really nice thing for him is in the mirror matchup in Convocation, which I don't know how much of that I expect to see, but I think he's interesting there. Like, okay, fine, he's not going to get radar sense, but they don't want to be close. So being able to have Shadowlands Daredevil just kind of creep his way up in there I think is really nice. And then obviously into the bad matchups for Convocation. So like the Brotherhood, like the Black Order, like the Sam Spam type, you know, lots of physical, even like A-Force and X-Men are are less than good matchups for Convocation. Well, I think Shadowland Daredevil really evens those matchups out for me a lot. What do you guys think? No, I can see that. I, I think, as I said, I think he's a great pick in there. I think he does help fill a couple of gaps in terms of coming across those teams with high physical outputs because he's got that solid defense. His radar sense is useful for him in terms of keeping him alive, giving him a little bit of staying power. Um, I really like his baton hook. I think it gives him an opportunity from range to move himself into maybe contest an objective to get his strike off again, to maybe throw some ninjas out, which we've all seen. They may only throw four dice, but they can't half do some damage with those four dice. Um, I really like him. I think he's an absolutely solid choice. Yeah, so before Aaron, you get to say something. I, I do want to go ahead and throw another little bit of spicy tech in here. So I've been playing him in this list for a little bit now. And another fun thing you can do with the ninjas 
is you can use Baron Mordo to give them two extra dice on their piddly little attack to turn it into a six dice attack. That's gross, Will. That's so gross. Well, yeah, so it's even grosser in the fact that I do that, and then they take a damage, right? And then if my opponent just ignores them, okay, fine. Next turn comes around, I do that again. Let's say they don't have an objective so that they can ninja vanish. Well, then I just give them another two dice from Baron Mordo, and now they're dead, and I get Ironbound books back. Oh, mate, that, that's definitely very spicy because you've almost got it on demand and you can really control when you get it, which is really good. Um, I do think that the main reason to be taking a character like Travel and Daredevil is for recycling of Ironbound books, and I think it's very strong being able to do that because you've not really had the option to do that before without sacrificing one of your characters, be it a two-threat like one or someone else. So the fact that you can do it almost an unlimited amount of times through the game as long as you have Daredevil there or Electra around to bring the grunts in and out, in and out, then it, it really ups how often you're going to be able to use that card. And it's it, as we all know, it's super strong being able to change your defence uh, from what might be your weakest to your strongest on every attack other than energy. Right, yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, if I run into somebody like Guardians and stuff like that, it's obviously not as strong there, but most of my characters have at least a decent energy defense. I mean, Ancient One's got three energy defense with Martial Artist and some re-rolls. Clea's got three. Mordo's got four. Strange has three with his Mystic Armor of Strange. Like, so I'm not too upset with with no, facing the energy. That's That's provided that my dice go, you know, the way that I think they should. And oh my God, guys. So I have uh, some merch coming out. I'm sorry. This, I'm so excited about this. And I have a shirt that I'm getting designed right now. And it said, it's like the meme. It says expectation versus reality. And then it says expectation and it's five critical dice. Like it shows five criticals across the, the front. And then reality is five crit fails. <laughs> five schools. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's Very pretty nice. good. That's it's, uh, it's look. I, I get excited for the little things, and I think that's pretty good. I, I like that. I'd wear that. Yeah, that's so. Be on the lookout. Very soon. This month of June is kind of a busy month for me, just personally. So I'm gonna try to get all of this done and up and ready to go by July, so that we can get shirts and merch and stuff out there for NashCon because I think that'd be pretty cool. But I digress. So. So anyway, Shadowlands Daredevil is kind of the, the spicy pick here, but also uh, Black Swan. I want to talk about Black Swan for a minute. And I want to get Aaron's opinion on Black Swan first before I talk about kind of why she's in here. Like, I want to get you guys' opinion, but let's start with Aaron. Um, give me a second, because we actually have Black Swan and Superdraft here with us, so I can just get the character card straight out of the box. <laughs> nice. Not mine, it's John's art to just double-check what he did mine. Well, <laughs> look, when you said we... I knew you meant your hetero life partner, John. That well, this is it. <laughs> we we like the royal we are in the UK now. Yeah. We just yeah. had an extra bank holiday weekend to celebrate us and stuff like that, so it's all been good. It's good, it's good. So Black Swan is very spicy coming in as a forefront character. She's got a lot of stuff going on in her toolkit. Uh, Charge is one of the best superpowers in the game. I think we can all agree just for adding the action economy and the way it interacts with some other superpowers. 100%. And she's got an absolutely great um, lineup of attacks as well. And from what I've heard from the guys over on TTS, everything dies, does what it says on the packet, and it really is devastating to be hit by that attack. 
Oh, definitely. So that's the fun thing about this character. And one of the things that I've talked about before with my convocation and one of the reasons why I really like playing them and and figuring them out so much is because I think they're a bit of a puzzle in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that I, I like to play them is with a power kind of economy situation. Like, I know that I'm going to be attacking and beating the hell out of my opponent if I have that opportunity, right? So I'm not going to be playing like full-on power denial per se, but I'm also going to be outpowering my opponent is the way I look at it. And maybe that's a bad way to look at it. <laughs> maybe I've made mistakes. Maybe that's why I haven't won as much as I want lately. But either way, like in general, I expect to be able to generate more power than my opponent, just kind of in a one-to-one -one basis, right? Like Clea, when she doesn't roll four skulls, can definitely have a good bit of power. And then Mordo has a superpower where he can generate his own two power. Strange starts with three. And you've got someone like Ancient One who starts with two. Voodoo, we've all seen how he can generate some power. Shadowlands Daredevil doesn't really do as much as maybe we would want. And same thing with Magic. But at the same time, I think they're both fine. But Black Swan here, you throw the power gem on her. She becomes a five-threat character, which is a lot. But you throw that power gem on her, and she's all of a sudden gaining three power a turn, and that means charge into an I-beam is online turn one. Yeah, it's it's a real nasty start. I, I think when you look at Black Swan, I don't see any reason not to take her with the power gem attached. I think the fact that it gives you so much turn one and the fact that you can do that every turn without even having to worry about it as just one of your two actions is mental. It's amazing. And like, even if you don't charge into an I-beam, I mean, move, charge, strike to potentially push someone size four off of a point, I think is just wonderful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that it has such a large push on it is really powerful. And then she also has the um, unlimited size throw on her spender. So she really can help with a little bit of displacement as well as just being super aggressive and pushing for all that damage. Absolutely. And like you said, with everything dies, I mean, it's only four power. And if you play the economy early with her right, then you are likely to be able to have access to an everything dies turn two. And well, I mean, if, if in theory, she doesn't spend any power turn one, at the top of turn two, she can charge into an everything dies, which is just brutal. Oh, man. And that makes me so happy. Like, I want to do that so bad. You don't even understand. Like, I want it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it, if you're running your own secures where you don't have to pay to flip, it's definitely something that you're going to be able to do. Just move her towards onto an objective turn one, have her sit there, you know, and then turn two, just really go crazy and start with the, cool, I'm going to charge you and everything dies. And then if anything's left alive, I'm just going to strike it to death. Exactly, exactly. And... You know, whatever I'm targeting with everything dies should definitely die because of the follow up, the throw, all of that fun stuff. But I think she's like really good for like single target eliminations. And like the way I think I'm going to play her is going to be kind of like flanking a little bit. And then, like you said, kind of saving her for that turn two. like turn one. If I want to if I really feel like I have an opportunity charging, I beaming somebody to set up next turn, because I also other than maybe Brotherhood, and maybe Black Order, I expect to be playing taller than my opponent if I'm running Black Swan. So I think that 
it's really interesting with her to be able to like set up that next turn to just start blasting everything. And I mean, John, what do you think about this idea? I like that idea. I like the idea so much that I contemplated with the criminal syndicate list I've done, dropping Modoc potentially in favour for Black Swan. Um, I think she gives you a ton of kick. Uh, I think the ability to displace is great. Her eye beam is bonkers for one power. Cyclops looks at that and just wishes his did that <laughs> with the auto incinerate, the wild pierce. It, it's just a great attack. The fact that AMG have been limiting pushes and throws and taking size downs on stuff recently to nerf it. And the fact that her strike just has a size four push is beyond stupid for displacement. I, I think taking her out wide and then running her in to move stuff around and to just obliterate a target that you think needs to go is probably a great play. Yeah. I, that's, that's my thought anyways. And that brings me to my crisis selection, which is the, hardest thing I've been dealing with lately, right? Like I've tried so many different things with my crisis selection. And for those of you that have been listening for a while and will remember the TTS special reports that I was doing with Merzane, we were talking about all the different crisis selections and the reasons why I had what I had was because I wanted to play at high points so that I could put more of my badass models on the table. Like that is specifically the reason why I played certain crises. But I've kind of changed up that that a little bit because I feel like something like intrusions as an example, right? Like I really like intrusions. It's 19 threat. It is neutral overall because it's a C map, so across Main Street, and it's only one point per objective held, and you can spend a power and go through the portal, and it seems like every time somebody ever does that, it's always a skull. So, you know, like I said, expectation versus reality. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's a crisis I really like, but into the better attrition teams, if I pull that, I'm screwed. I feel like, yeah. you know, may, maybe I'm overthinking it a little too much. And that's why I have you guys is to tell me if I'm overthinking it too much, because like I have a lot of placement shenanigans, you know, with strange and then. I have good range that I can just like tickle people from a far enough away to where it shouldn't be too big of a deal. But at the same time, I feel like if I run into a black order on that, or if I run into a brotherhood or even an a force, you know, with, with the uh, she Hulk there and Medusa, I feel like I'm in trouble. I mean, is that reasonable expectation there? Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think the last thing you want to do is end up in a big scrum in a line across the center. Uh, particularly against the list you mentioned, somebody like Corvus is going to have a field day if you end up in the centre with him. Um, She-Hulk is the same. She generates enough power for that superior weight training to just boost the dice continually and smash anything within range. Um, while you can hit from range with the, a lot of the list that you've got, if you're hitting from range, you're not in there to score the points. Um, I know you could potentially hop through one and come out another one, but with how close they are, you're probably still within contactable range of somebody else. I would try and avoid it if I was you, but that's just because I like to try and play things fairly safe sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's typically my strategy is to play pretty safe, but it's also, like, it with that, intrusions worked out really well during the league, and it was it actually was able to be played fairly well by me in in those matchups and everything, and I didn't have anyone that was, like, super beady. I think the, 
most dangerous team I came up against was a Midnight Suns team, but that plays into my favor anyways with Mystic attacks and everything. But yeah. it, I've I've really just it's been in and out. So I tried Infinity Formula for a while, and for those of you that might not remember, Infinity Formula is a B shape, and what it does is more or less creates like a couple of corridors. And you have to kind of split your force a little bit and determine which direction you want to go. And the way the battle can sometimes go, at least in my experience, is it kind of shifts to one side or the other. And you might have an advantage on one side, and depending on where the extracts end up, you might have to completely shift to the other side. Is that how you've seen it, Aaron? Yeah, so from my experience, Infinity Formula does sort of become almost a down-the-middle game on one of the flanks. Um, I'm not personally a huge fan of the mission. I know a lot of people think it's really good for Web Warriors, but the way I see it is it's adding to both mine and my opponent's power economy, so I'm not a huge fan. Um, especially for yourself, where you said one of the big things is you're trying to outpower such your opponent. I think taking Infinity could be interesting, but it lets them, it helps them to keep up with the power because there's only so much power you can gain before you cap out or before you've got nothing left to do. So for me personally, I, I think it's a pretty decent mission. Um, I think it definitely ends up the way that you described. And I, I don't think I'd be looking at taking it over intrusions personally. Right. So that's kind of where I landed on it. But I tried it a lot. Let me tell you, I've tried it a lot. So then I also looked at Sword Base. And Sword Base is interesting, but I don't love my 14. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's a bad 14. I don't think, like, Strange Voodoo to make 9, and then, like, Clea and Wong. Does that math work out? Yeah, that math works out. Like, I don't think that's terrible, but I don't think it's particularly good either. You know what I mean? And I think that yeah, coming I mean, up against other people's 14s that are better, you know, like Guardians at 14 would kick my butt. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of sword bass anyway because of how swingy it is. But what I do think is worth noting is that you don't very often play sword bass at 14 anymore because a lot of people like to try and avoid that combination anyway. I mean, obviously, you will inevitably, I'll say this, and then you'll, you'll end up playing 14 threat sword bass every single <laughs> one of your games at this event. But I've, not, I've very rarely seen it popping up anymore. Yeah, same, same. But... I don't want to give my opponent that option because, like, I feel like somebody else's 14 might be stronger than my 14. And Yeah, that's the thing, Ben. I think it's easy for your opponent to look across the table and know that your 14 isn't going to be that strong as well, which is something you have to be wary of. Right. Now, here is the bit of spice on this. So I mentioned Black Swan. I can play Strange, Black Swan, and either Voodoo or Ancient One at 14, go three wide at 14, it's a pretty potent three wide, though. Yeah, it, I was just actually about to mention that. I think it definitely got some teeth. And and that is the reason why sword base is definitely a possibility because I might change this before you know the tournament actually rolls around. And so those are those are the the ones that I've kind of taken out. And here's what I put in, and it's kind of counterintuitive to the reasons why I didn't like intrusions actually, but I think it potentially plays okay for me. And that is the Deadly Meteors Mutate Civilians, so Origin Bombs. It's an old, old original Crisis 17 threat, and it's three across 
the middle again, like uh, the C shape. So like intrusions and you roll energy defense to try to flip the thing. And if you roll a skull, you take a damage, but it's whoever controls the most gets three points. Now into web warriors, I don't particularly like this into everyone else with my power economy, other than maybe Asgard, I feel okay about the pay to flip aspect of it. And I feel okay about my ability to be more mobile than my opponent in most instances. John, what do you think of this? Uh, I think Meteor's is a weird one. Um, I think it's okay for you because it's an energy defense role rather than something like Newton Madman, which I know has a different setup, but you're not going to want to be rolling physical defense. Um, again, it's down the middle. And I'm always weary with complication about that scrum in the middle. Yeah. But I do think it gives you an opportunity, as you've mentioned, you can scalpel with Strange, you can potentially portal with Clear. You've got magic in your list, you can limbo yourself around. You've definitely got the options to get about with it easier than maybe somebody else chasing you through a portal with intrusions. Um, it's not a bad shout. I just, it makes me weary being down the middle, is my honest opinion on it. Look, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> like it, it definitely gets me weary about it too. And it's so fast scoring a lot of the time that like if I go down on it twice, that sounds really weird, but oh, we're going to go with it. <laughs> so if I'm down points twice in a round, I'm down six, that's really hard to recover. I don't think it's necessarily impossible to come back from. Um, in John and I's battle report last week, I think going into round three, it was 8-0 to you, wasn't it? John? It was indeed. Um but my concern is more with the scoring aspect rather than the scrum in the middle. As although it isn't, uh, it, it, although it is difficult to come back from a six-point lead, um, what's even more difficult is trying to manage a game where your opponent's last activation could just just happen to be a dodge roll where there's a three-point swing. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people don't like sword base, especially. Um, because you can do almost everything right and then your opponent's last activation and does all of that hard work with a single dodge roll um, and results in a big swing in the game. So I think that's something to be aware and sort of careful of, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I like that. So the other potential here, and this one's a little bit out of left field, but just bear with me because I have a logic on it. The Cherigen Cloud sweeps over City. So it's 20 threat, I like that. But also, I don't really care about being poisoned because I'm going to have the ability to have enough power. You know what I mean? Like, I have abilities that can generate power for me. So a character like Black Swan, yeah, I'd rather have that one extra power, but if she's poisoned, it's not so bad. Strange. I want that extra power, but if he's poisoned, it's not so bad. You know what I mean? Whereas my opponent... If they're poisoned, it's potentially worse for them than it is for me. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, and I think it does punish your opponent when you're already going in there with a lot more power potential and gain than they have. Um, just my worry with that one. Um, it, obviously, it sounds like I'm just worried about everything, but I think it's <laughs> easier to look at the weaknesses rather than the strengths in some cases. Oh, absolutely. My worry for this one would just be that although you said you like 20 for it, it gives your opponent the options to bring a lot as well. So you might have a really solid 20 threat and then suddenly your opponent 
shows up with this random seven or eight wide list that you never saw coming because you just didn't think it was something they were going to do. And that can make it very hard to deal with um, that mission if they swarm the objectives or if they're using criminal syndicate. I do think it's a pretty solid mission for you, though. Um, as you said, the poison doesn't affect you as much. Um, and, you know, the two points per objective on the outside, with you able to use Voodoo to stop somebody contesting towards it, uh, strange to, you know, push them off if he does damage with his builder. I think it, it definitely has some legs. And it's, got, it's a very interesting mission for you, more so, in my opinion, at least, than Meteors or um, Sword Base. Yeah, and I'm using Supreme Strange, so he has to teleport people off, but close enough. Uh, John, what do you think about this one? Is this is this just too out of left field? Um, I don't know if you could ever be too out of left field. <laughs> um, I, as I said before, I like to be careful with my prices selection until it comes to 20 threat. I'm really weird like that. Like I will think all the way through, even up to 19 threat. I'm like, do I want to do it? Is it good for me? 20 threat, I'll just throw out there because it means I can put all the big guns, all the big toys, everything I want to play with on the table and just see how it goes. Um, so I'm always a fan for that reason. But I do think the aforementioned power game you're looking to play and the fact that you want to go ahead on power and you want to stay ahead on power so you can do more things, I think Terrigen does help you with that in a weird way. I know it hinders you, but it potentially hinders your opponent more, particularly if you can get onto and secure those mists so you can start moving them around. Mm -hmm. I think the solid left field pick, to be honest. All right, well, it's uh, it's consideration. I'm going to try to get a couple other practice games in, both with the um, Deadly Meteors and with Terrigen Mists. But let me ask you guys and the suits out there listening, if y'all want to send us messages, you can send us messages to our Facebook page and House Party Protocol podcast over there. You can send us messages on our Discord if you're a part of our Discord channel. It's the illest, chillest, realest, thrillest, most awesomest Discord. These two can attest. And you can get access to that if you're part of our Patreon program at patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a month or up to 12 bucks a year. You can come and hang out and chit-chat with everyone over there. It's always a great time. We're always talking about rosters, tactics, and you know, just random stuff about, you know, what's the best breakfast food, that kind of stuff. So, you know, come and hang out with us there. But if you're part of that community, part of any community that I'm in uh, anywhere, send us messages. Like I said, let me know what you guys think about my crisis selection here, because this is this third secure is the one that I have the hardest time with, which I haven't even said what my other two are. My other two secures are demons downtown because I have two people that are immune to incinerate and and I don't mind kind of making my opponent come to me. And then I also have portals overrun with spider peoples. It's a D-shaped spider portals. I love it. It's a lot of fun. And it's energy rolling, spending power to pay for the thing. Always a good time. So let me know what you guys think. And Aaron, is there a crisis that I haven't mentioned that you think should be in my list for my third one? Uh, so you've already got demons and portals. Portals would be my immediate shout, um, but you've already got it. So I like Riot Spark, obviously, to my um, web warriors, and for a long time I hadn't used it. And then once I put it in there, it was really good. Um, but other than that, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I don't think you want to be playing sort of gamma waves or anything like that. Um and I don't really think you want to be playing the single sort of 
swingy points ones like we've already mentioned sword base and um, origin bombs the only others I can really think of is Maya Fisk but again I don't think that's one that you want to be playing it's got a similar setup to Terrigen um, but obviously instead of giving out poison that one gives you out stun so I mean maybe there's a, a reason to argue for that but that could stunt your power gain sort of on the rebound when you're getting hit which might not be the kind of thing you're after um, yeah. So it, you you mentioned twenty threat. You've got superpower scoundrels, but again, I don't really think that fits your game plan and where you want to be playing. So for me, you've already narrowed it down to sort of what I would say are the right ones to choose from. It's just about which ones you personally enjoy. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm with you on that. And John, what about you? No, I'm I'm of a similar vein. I don't think there's anything secure wise you've missed that I would be looking to put in. Um, as I say, I would potentially go Terrigen over Origin Bombs, but that's a personal preference. But going back, the discussion the other day, what is it with waffles for breakfast? Oh, I mean, waffles are awesome for breakfast. I mean, I would probably say waffles are the best breakfast. I mean, like, I mean I've never eaten waffles for breakfast. I know it's a big, not just American thing, but I know it's a big American well, thing. Wait, but wait, wait. But the love for waffles in the chillest, realist Discord was surprised me immensely. I wanted to hop in, but I also didn't want to be insulted by thousands of people at the same time going, waffles Oh, stop it. You, you know they wouldn't insult you over there. They wouldn't insult, they'd just be like, this guy's crazy, but he's awesome. But he's also crazy. That's what, well, maybe I should have jumped in then they could have all sent me waffles. Like, are we talking like fresh cut waffles or are we talking like the equivalent of toast going to toaster waffles? Like, I'm really confused and I need some answers as well. Okay, well, I'm going to give you at least a sliver of answers and then we'll let the suits kind of finish it off here for me. So, first answer is that, uh, yeah, waffles are awesome and like the Belgian waffle that you get at like a restaurant is amazing. Like, uh, it's it's amazing, right? And I'll go have some brunch, have a Belgian waffle. It'll be amazing. But also, like, toaster waffles are pretty legit. Like, don't sleep on an Eggo, bro. I'm just saying. See, we, we, we don't get Eggos, at least as far as I know over here. So I, I might have to uh, see if I can import some Eggos just to give it a go. What? You guys so, don't have Eggos? I don't know what an Eggo is. The only reason I know what an Eggo is is simply from watching Stranger Things. But otherwise, as far as I am aware, we don't have Eggos. Oh my god! Like oh oh my goodness! I'm I'm Mate, I'm sorry. I don't understand the waffles for breakfast thing. Like brunch about eleven ish, I can kind of understand. But like, are you breakfast at like six? I couldn't imagine getting up and eating waffles. <laughs> well, I, so I grab my waffles on the way to the gym. Like they have like these protein packed waffle things over here that are pretty good. They're called Kodiak waffles. They're they're good. And and I grab those before I go to the gym. Okay. Maybe I'm going to have to give this a go. Maybe I've just been too harsh and not thought about it enough. Yeah, that's it. Just just give it a try. Throw a little butter on there. Maybe a little, little syrup. Maybe, ooh, maybe like get some dipping syrup, you know, and then you can like rip your waffle apart and dip it in the syrup as you go. That's a good option. I love waffles, man. It's what? not a breakfast thing. <laughs> waffles or ice cream is not. Oh, hey, now you really want to get America on it. You, you got to get some chicken and waffles, like some fried chicken with a Belgian oh, waffle. Chicken and waffles. Fried chicken and waffles is so good. It's amazing. See, it's I amazing. can't think fried chicken and waffles without thinking potato waffles. And I know that's not what we're discussing. No, no. But that's immediately what comes to mind from my childhood <laughs> is potato waffles. Breakfast waffles with fried chicken and syrup is very nice. It's amazing. Don't sleep on it. So anyways, 
back to let, let's stop waffling on <laughs> yes let's stop waffling real quick <laughs> so uh well i guess we found our secret code by the way for today's episode the secret code for the giveaway that we're doing right now is definitely going to have to be waffle what do you guys think uh, i think that works for me 100 percent. have you seen that teen titans episode where everything is just waffles no i have not seen that teen titans go episode but now i'm gonna have to go find it Oh, you're going to have to go find that, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So send us the message with the secret code word of WAFFLE, and you will get your bonus entry for our Black Order giveaway. We're doing the affiliation box plus the Black Swan and Super Giant box. That'll end on June 21st, so make sure to get your entry in before that. So uh, I think we've exhausted the secure crisis discussion here, and now we're going to talk about extracts. And... My extracts are pretty set. Like, I'm not too worried about any of these. I've got the Hammers. I've got Montessi. And I've got Spider Infected. And I don't love the play of running across the board to grab my opponent's Spider Infected thing. Like, I don't love that play. But I do have Lizard in this list, specifically where if I lose priority and I have to pick my extracts and I pull Spider Infected... Lizard is going to run across and grab one that my opponent thought was safe. Period. It's happening. Shameless but beautiful. That's something that I've done myself when playing Spider Foes, and it worked out really, really well. Yeah, it's one of those things. And in Convocation, it's really nice because if Lizard does take that chip damage, he can just place himself back towards my team range one, and now all of a sudden I've got an extract lead potentially. You know, and it's one of the, it's just... It's a strategy. I don't hate it. Look, play your game. Play the game you want to play the game. It's just something that I feel weird hanging a model out to dry like that. Like, it's one of those things where every time I've done something like that, said model that is hung out to dry is ends up dead. <laughs> Way sooner than I thought they were supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely a risk that you have to take when making a play like that. But it can be super rewarding at the same time. Exactly. So... Another nice thing is with Spider Infected specifically is I really like Shadowlands Daredevil on that crisis because then I can use the ninjas to grab one of my close ones, use Shadowlands to get the middle one if my opponent doesn't go for it immediately, and then he's pretty tanky. He's able to absorb some hits and potentially walk himself backwards if need be. Then the ninjas can do a ninja vanish to give that spider infected to someone like Wong. And now I've got Ironbound Books back to start the next turn also. So I can put Ironbound Books up's turn two and three and maybe have enough of a point lead to kind of work my way into successful places. You know what I mean? I like that. I think that's a solid plan. I think the ninjas give you some nice shenanigans with those kind of like five extracts and stuff like that for grabbing an extra one and holding on to it a little bit longer. So I think that's solid. Yeah. And another little bit of interesting idea here, so I also have Montessi formula, and I do the same thing on Montessi. If my opponent doesn't go for the middle one first, if they do something else, then I'm activating Shadowlands Daredevil, and Shadowlands is going to go get the middle Montessi book, and the ninjas are going to get the close one, and then on the top of turn two, they're going to ninja vanish, pass that book to Wong, or someone, if I don't have Wong in, be somebody else, pass that book off, 
And then Shadowlands Daredevil is just going to turtle up around the team or around whatever's secure we're doing at the time. And I really like that opening. And this is, I'm, I'm saying all this because I said that if I win priority, I want to pick secures. But really, I don't have a problem picking extracts. And if I have priority, picking my extracts, if I'm planning on putting Shadowlands Daredevil and Lizard on the board, I feel okay about that. Yeah, I think you've got some survivability in those guys holding extracts. It should be perfectly good as a player. Yeah, and and the only only questionable thing, so like if we're playing at 17, that means that I have to account for the seven threat of Lizard and Shadowlands Daredevil, specifically on Spider-Infected. If I'm playing Montessi, I don't have to worry about Lizard as much, but on Spider-Infected, Lizard and Shadowlands cost me seven threat. So how do I stay affiliated then? I think that means I might have to leave Strange at home. And that means playing Voodoo, Ancient One, Muang, maybe? Or maybe doing like Mordo, Voodoo, and Clea? What was that? Uh, just at 10 threat, you could be taking uh, Doctor Strange, Baron Mordo, and Wong. That too. That too. So there you go. I don't have to leave Strange at home. Yay. See, look at this. Look at us mathing so good over here, guys. Public school system for the win. Indeed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I think that there's there's play there, and the fact that I wouldn't have to leave Strange at home is definitely a nice thing. So maybe I, th maybe I mix it up and pick extracts if I win priority and just really throw my opponent for a loop. I don't know. I mean, you've definitely got legs, and you you definitely seem to have a plan for what happens if you take your extracts, and maybe it's something that's worth doing. Yeah, and then with hammers, so I really, really, really like the eyes on the prize play with hammers. Have you guys heard this? I've talked about it a little bit around here before. I've heard this one. I am aware. Okay, so, well, Aaron, it you sound a little dis disheartened when you say that. I think he loves this one. Yes. I am aware of the eyes on the prize. It's, okay. it's more that I've been proven wrong by someone because um, a few months ago, a friend of mine, Dan, was saying how eyes on the prize was going to become a huge problem. And I was like, I don't see it. And then here we are, eyes on the prize. He's making it to come up and... Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely a thing. So what you do is you have a character like Doctor Strange who starts with three power. So eyes on the prize says, and if you've been listening to this for a while, you've heard this, but if you're new here... This is also a fun one, and this comes with Captain America and War Machine, so Sam Wilson. It is an unaffiliated active text card. At the start of any allied character's activation, it may spend one power to play this card. During this activation, this character can interact with objectives at range two instead of the normal range one. So, in that D-shaped diamond format that is the hammers, you have Doctor Strange, who starts with three power. He now can activate with one of the hammers right in front of him. He plays Eyes on the Prize at the start of his activation. He's got two power left. He can get the hammer right in front of him, and as long as you put him directly in the middle of the board, he can double move to either side and pick up the other one of those side hammers, turn one, and have two hammers on him. And then... You pop Ironbound Books on the next turn, and he's relatively safe. And yeah, he's just starting to murder everything at that point. 
which Murder Strange is real with two hammers. It's insane. Um, so that is staying in because I really like that play with him, and I feel like it's one of those things where it really makes your opponent make bad decisions. Because if I use Strange, if I have priority, or if I don't have priority, and my opponent doesn't go for one of those middle ones, and I'm able to just run over there and grab one, and then I'm able to grab the other one too, potentially, like that's a really bad time for my opponent. Definitely. I think it really puts your opponent in a hard position where they have to send somebody up on the other side. Exactly. Um, what's pretty gross, I don't know how set you are on your character cards, but if you could find space for Mystique, what you can do is use, if you have priority, you can use Strange to get the middle one and the one on the right, for example. And then when they run up to get the one on the left, use Mystique to the deception them in. So you're almost guaranteed to end up with three of them turn one, which is pretty disgusting. Right. So let me just give you another bit of spice. So without putting Mystique in, I have another character that generates three power a turn in this list right now, and it's Black Swan. Yeah. What's another card that does a similar thing but costs three power? Oh, you've caught me off guard there. Is it the Convocation-specific one? It is not. Is it's Face Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. That's an old one. Yeah. Face Me is quite good, though. Yeah, so Face Me has been in and out of this list as well, actually, because when I was playing Senators, like, I, I like Senators, but it also is, it's a really hard crisis to play. But it's one of those where if my opponent found the Senator, well, then I would just Face Me to have them bring it to me, right? And it's the same thing as Deception, except it costs you three power, and then the that character that you played it on gets to make an attack. So they get to do an attack. Right, so you, that can be negative, but at the same time, displacing a character, their movement speed is very strong. It's very strong. And Face Me doesn't have the restriction of deception where if there's someone within range two, then you can't do it. I think more for the turn one play with deception. I think the idea is that once you go and get two first and they have to send someone up, that character's gone to then be on their own for when you would play deception. The only downside, I think, for face me is that you are giving a character holding a hammer a free attack. So it oh, yeah. could definitely end not the way you want it to at all. I'm with you. And I agree with you. And that's why I took it out. <laughs> that's why it's but, not, no longer in here. But I do like the deception slash face me style play. I think it can definitely work. And it's really powerful to bring somebody in turn one and round them in because if you can daze them, you can potentially take them off the table turn two, and that's just going to be huge towards, you know, the impact it has on the game. Exactly. So it's a consideration to do face me with the hammers. Uh, it, it still definitely is, but currently I don't have it in there. And in terms of my tactics cards, we've got the Ironbound books. We've got the Plane of Poldock, which is the re-roll any mystic attacks. The Bar with No Doors, which is my leadership card. Brace for Impact. Field Dressing. Blind Obsession, Indomitable, Sacrifice, Eyes on the Prize, and Journey Through Limbo. And Magic is a character that I love and I've had insane success with. Like, she's a character that has, has really made an impact on me and everything. But I think I'm considering dropping her and putting Hood in this list because I don't really need her 
when I'm trying to make my affiliations. You know what I mean? Like if I really need to do some damage, right? Like if I'm really like I need to stay affiliated and I've got to do some damage, I can drop Clea for her because I think she ramps damage a lot better than Clea does. Clea, Clea's damage output is just garbage overall. It's not terrible, but it's not good either. So, so that's a consideration. But I really like Journey Through Limbo because it can really catch your opponent off guard if they expected to kind of be on a point and then magic just comes and yeets them away. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like magic for that. I ran magic with Journey Through Limbo in my X-Men lists and it was there particularly for that reason. You can get them up there and then you can throw somebody off when they've got no actions left and be they can be gone depending on the amount of power she's got quite a long way away. Um, I think it's a good play. I think if you're not planning on running her a lot, the fact that she's also taking up a tactics card slot could be a good reason to switch her out for Hood. I mean, we spoke at the start about the awesomeness of Hood. Um, but I think her being in there with Journey Through Limbo gives you some additional options, so I don't think she has to go. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am too. Like, like you said, we we talked a lot about Hood, and I've, I'm glad we had that conversation because he's a character that I really love, and I've really been liking in my convocation more and more. And I feel like that if I run into a She-Hulk, right? Like if I run into a Force, if I run into a Hulk, if I run into a Hulk Buster, if I run into any of these big time models that I need to just delete. Hood is going to be ultimately better with his rapid fire playing a pole dock than magic is ultimately like in a, in a vacuum. Right. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's any question on that. I think his rapid fires in a vacuum are much better than anything magic is going to put out. So, so that's where I'm at with it. And I, again, I'd love to get the suits thought out there, you know, because like magic is a character I love. I know how to play her really well. I, you know, I say that, like, I don't mean like I'm like the magic you know, savant. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like, you know, I know what she does. I play her well and I, I feel really comfortable with her on the table. And same thing with how to use Journey Through Limbo. But let's say for the for the purposes of this exercise, let's say I take magic out. What's a tactics card that I throw in? Because part of me wants to throw in a card like maybe the Orb of Agamotto, which is a convocation specific card that's like Rainbow Bridge was for Asgard where you spend three power and you can teleport range three. Any character that, that had three power can teleport range three. Any convocation character, I should say. So someone like Strange, who starts with three power, can now teleport up range three and start double tapping anything on the midline. In, in my experience of playing against convocation, or Bavagamoto is the most problematic thing for me to have to deal with. As like you said, it lets Strange jump right into the middle of the board and just start firing off. I've had Toad or Miles previously, I think it was, find a roll for extract in the middle of the board just to have Strange teleport himself up and down, which is then huge with the swing of the game. So I would personally say it's definitely a card worth looking for. On the other hand, a card that you might want to mess around and maybe try a little is Hood's Tank because I think it could definitely be interesting to have all of your already powerful attacks from Strange and Voodoo with an extra reroll for a turn against anyone holding or securing a point. Yeah, Hood's Gang is one that I had in this list when I originally made it and it's definitely useful. It's really good. Um, what about another convocation specific one called Bane of Dambala? 
And I love the names of convocation cards and character stuff. I just want y'all to know that. Any chance I get, I'm going to say them. So this is another convocation-specific card. After an attack made by an allied convocation character is resolved, if the attack roll contained one or more wilds or hit results, it may spend one power to play this card. The target character and enemy characters within range two of it gain the root special condition. And root is, it means your enemy has to spend one more power to play superpower. So if a superpower costs three, it now costs four. I think it's worth noting as well that root actually means that if the superpower doesn't have a cost, in order to use it in the first place, you have to spend one power. So it works on things like Thanos with the Infinity Stones. Exactly. That's exactly right. So it's only active and reactive. So innate powers don't cost anything ever. Yeah. But yeah, like husband and wife for Orvis and Proxima, it's really strong into them because they don't want to spend their two power to do that. <laughs> Definitely not. I again, think it's a really super strong convocation card. Um, I've had it played against me and it's an absolute pain to try and deal with, especially if you have somebody doing it to Doing it to you turn one, it can be an absolute menace to try and come back from that later on in the game as it just really skews your power economy, especially for me as a Web Warrior player where a lot of my stuff comes online turn one thanks to advanced R&D. That Bane of Dumballa can instantly turn it all back off again, which is really, really uh, quite big in those early few turns and until I'm able to get rid of those roots through shaking or through being dazed. Yeah. Uh, John, what do you think about that? I like that as a card. Nobody wants to be rooted. I mean, superpowers can be hefty costs anyway for a lot of characters. Paying an additional one in a game where power economy is key is never great. And then the only way to get rid of the root, as we've mentioned, is to almost waste an action to shake it. And I don't want to say it's a waste because obviously you want to be able to use your superpowers for their standard cost, realistically. But you also don't want to be giving up an action to just reduce them. I think it causes opponents a bit of a nightmare it causes them a bit of a headache and if you can do it on some maps where there are quite a few of them close together it can be horrific to try and deal with so i think it's definitely up there for consideration if magic goes just worth noting as well will you said that black order and brotherhood are two of your matchups you really didn't look forward to i think giving both those rosters root is huge and it's something that they really don't want to have to deal with right and i think also when we think about our crisis discussion, which this is why I saved tactics cards for last, because I think we have to look at it in context of our crisis discussion as well, where if I throw something like Terrigen Mists in there and it's a clumpy clump fest, I mean, that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense for a Bane of Dambala, right? It becomes perfectly ideal for you and an absolute nightmare for everybody else. Yeah, I think so. Interestingly enough, like it's it's one of those like if my opponent secures the thing at the beginning of the turn, well, okay, fine. Now all your people are poisoned that are standing there, and now I'm going to attack you, and you're going to have rooted. So, congratulations, <laughs> your power economy is screwed. There is no power economy at that point. You just flip the table and you walk away. Exactly, exactly. I I, I mean, okay, fine. Just don't break my models. Just let me move my <laughs> models, then flip the table. But no. Yeah, that sounds fair. Um, so so that I'm really considering Bane of Dambala a lot. And I don't think I want to take magic without Journey Through Limbo. 
Not that I don't think magic is useful on her own. I think she is wonderful in by herself, right? I don't think you need Journey Through Limbo when you have magic. I think Journey Through Limbo gives magic that extra little edge to get to where you're going to get that much more out of her, if that makes sense. So if I drop magic and I put Hood in, I think Bane of Dambala's in. However, I'm also considering dropping Blind Obsession. Now, we talked earlier about Blind Obsession, and look, Blind Obsession is a wall of text. Basically, you pick a target, and whatever target the model that played Blind Obsession picks, they get extra attack dice and extra defense into that model. However, if another model attacks the one that played the card, then it's less defense dice. So it's very risk-reward, right? But it's also really good, like, if someone's going to be playing Blind Obsession to have a Blind Obsession to counter back because it kind of negates the bonuses at that point. All of that said, my idea is that I've got plenty of characters that generate three power during the power phase, so it's really easy for me to play Blind Obsession. However, maybe something like a Disarm would be a better play because I'm not going to outfight a Corvus. Right? Like, I'm not going to outfight Magneto. Maybe Disarm is more interesting for me than Blind Obsession because one, it's cheaper. Two, it reduces someone's potency. But the biggest problem there is I have to have priority. Now, I expect more often than not I will. But, I mean, is this, am I, am I going down the wrong train here, you think, John? I like the idea of disarm, but I am a huge fan of Blind Obsession. And I just think if you can get it on the right character at the right time. So, as we've said, if Strange manages to grab two hammers and then sits at range three, range four of somebody else while he's also Blind Obsessioned, his defense becomes mad, particularly if you can get, you know, your Ironbound books up as well. He's got solid defenses. He's throwing out a huge ton of offensive dice. Murder Strange becomes just look at stuff and it dies strange. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I just think there are potentially better plays with Blind Obsession than Disarm. But I think that's my preference for maybe rolling more attack dice than maybe removing somebody else's attack dice. And that's fair. I do think if you don't necessarily get rid of the target that you're after, in one go, which I don't see how that would work given our circumstances with Strange. Right. You still get those benefits for a bit longer, whereas Disarm is like a one turn, one round and done kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's real fair. Aaron, what do you think about that? I think that something you can do that's quite interesting is you mentioned not being able to outfight Corvus, but what you can do is use Blind Obsession defensively. So if you know your opponent's looking to activate Corvus and go after, say, your strange that's holding two hammers, you can play Blind Obsession then just to give yourself the two extra defense dice, and it suddenly can throw a spanner in the works for their plans um, and really shake things up a little bit. So I think there are arguments to be taken for using Blind Obsession both on the offense and on the defense because if you're on a flank, again, with a heavy hitter like Corvus, adding those extra two dice to your defense rolls can really stunt his damage output and slow him right down. So... Although Disarm is definitely a good card, I'm in the camp with John of keeping Blind Obsession around because I think it does have, even though it costs a little bit more, it does have sort of a slightly more versatile use and it, it's definitely going 
if you play at the right time, definitely going to have an impact on the game. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm keeping Blind Obsession. Then you convinced me, boys. <laughs> there you go. Sponsored by Blind Obsession. Sponsored <laughs> by someone who's obsessed blindly. Murdoch <laughs> <laughs> and Electra. Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah. Exactly. So, with that, suits. I think that's going to be all she wrote for this episode and I hope you enjoyed this kind of deep dive into the roster that I'm playing in an upcoming tournament and one that admittedly like I really I want to play well in like I want to have good success here I I, it's one of those things where I don't typically care too much and I just like to have fun roll dice and I still am going to have fun roll dice etc etc but I would like to perform well so I can get some LVOIS points and then maybe make it a case for going out to Las Vegas next year. We would like you to end up in Las Vegas next year. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. I hope some of the other suits out there would like to see this as well. So, we, you know. Well, the chosen one will. We will the cho- across, the, across the ocean. <laughs> don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> 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 so, with that, suits, uh, Aaron, where can people find you? Uh, so people can find me over on YouTube at Web Warrior Protocols. Um, I also have my website, webwarriorprotocols.com. Uh, on Facebook, I am, once again, Web Warrior Protocols. And on Twitter, I believe I'm under the 14th Legion. So you can find me all over the place on all of these different social media sites and obviously my own channels and sites. As we mentioned earlier, we have just launched the uh, Web Warrior Protocols YouTube. John and I are going to be recording about a report straight after this. So... If people could take the time to check that out, maybe have a look at the Patreon along with your own will, I'd really appreciate that as it helps us to carry on making more content. Oh yeah, for sure. John, where can people find you? Uh, I'm less lurky now than I was before, but I'm still quite lurky. I can be found on most of the Marvel Discords at John C. Harris 13 and I can be found on Twitter at underscore just press play. Nice, nice, yeah. Make sure to... Uh... Follow, like, subscribe to all the things that these guys mentioned, and there will be a link to the YouTube channel in the description, so make sure to check that out. The the subscribing and the liking videos on YouTube apparently means a lot. Like, I don't know, I don't have a YouTube channel, but apparently it's a BFD. So, if you get a chance, a throw some love out there. What? What's a BMD? No, BFD. not a BMD. Yep. Oh, okay. I've never heard that. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. See, my eight-year-old son has finally taught me something useful. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This brought to you by America. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so make sure to, to do all of that stuff because it, it really helps uh, new channels grow. And also, you know, just give feedback. I know these guys want the feedback. They want to get better and they want to keep improving and keep doing things that everyone wants to see. And I say the same thing for myself. Send me feedback, send me messages on our Facebook page, send me emails, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Send me messages on Discord. If you're part of our Discord community, you know, let me know what I can do to make this better for all of you out there. This is one of those things where it's uh, not just about me. It's also about you guys. And I hope that y'all have enjoyed this content today it's been a lot of fun to talk about this and this is one of those like interesting episodes where we kind of deep dive into a roster and you kind of get to see the process and the thought process there a little bit and and we don't do that as much around here and 
So I'm really glad we got to do that. And then also make sure to stay tuned for the mini extravaganza that AMG is doing starting up on Thursday. I'm going to be out of town this weekend, so I'm going to be watching it on my phone a lot, but I will be making Facebook posts about it and stuff like that. So make sure to follow the Facebook page and all that fun stuff there. Lastly, don't forget to check out our giveaway. It's a giveaway for the Black Order Affiliation Box and Black Swan and Supergiant. So make sure to check that out. And you have a secret code word this week. John, what's that secret code word? Waffles. Waffles. So send us the word waffles to our Facebook page there or on Discord. You can send me a message there. That will work as well. And uh, yeah, party on, John. Party on, Will. Party on, Aaron. Party on, Will. And power down suits.